Hello, it's me. Yep, remember that guy that started a podcast and promised episodes every week but disappeared mid-series? Well, he's back. Yes, just call me the Terminator. I don't know about you, but holy moly, I've lost all control of my calendar since the lockdown bubble has edged closer to popping over the past few weeks. What day is it? What week am I doing that? Did I say I'd meet you then? Where are my goddamn shoes? The list goes on, but alas, life is getting back to normal and boy does it feel good. And if it really has been too long and you've forgotten what this podcast malarkey is all about, then welcome to Dishing It, a food podcast putting the spotlight on Scotland. Over the past six episodes, I've been catching up with food brands, entrepreneurs, food buffs and travel bloggers to cover all grounds of, let's say, Scotland's glorious food allotment. And there's still a lot more to come. Despite a teeny tiny, really tiny hiatus to get back on track with life, I bring you this week's penultimate episode with Rosalind Erskine, the digital editor of the Scotsman Food and Drink. I love reading and writing about food and writing in general, to be fair. You do not want to know how many kids' books I've made a start to and had to shelve. There's one too many ideas floating about in this noggin, people. But to say the least, I was really looking forward to talking all about writing, the media industry, journalism, and not forgetting tapping into Rosalind's back catalogue of food knowledge. But before that, our recent wave of hot weather has been luring me outside to beer gardens, garden parties, park swallies, barbecues, you know how it goes. And through this sweltering time, ice cream has never been far from my mind and I thought it would be the perfect opportunity to share my prime places to get an ice cream scoop when those hot days come back beaming down. So to kick off, if the coast is calling, you have to make a trip to Port Soy ice cream for a stacked bubble waffle cone with the most insane flavours packed inside. The most recent addition to the Port Soy ice cream family was the white chocolate millionaire shortbread Reese's Pieces ice cream. Yeah, you did just hear that correctly. White chocolate millionaire shortbread Reese's Pieces ice cream. Get me a big spoon. Nearby is the Port Soy Harbour, which is the perfect spot to delve into your order and take in the beautiful sea views that surround it. It was also here that the sixth and final series of Peaky Blinders filmed, so a bit of television trivia there for you. Down in Glasgow, there's Lupin Scoop, where churros and ice cream meet to make one almighty combo. From colossal sugar-crumbed churro loops bigger than my head, and if you ask any of my hats, I have a very big head, to churro nests with ice cream harboured inside, and its own twist on a wafer sandwich, with ice cream wedged between two churro rounds. Yep, that's right. Delightful. In Aberdeen, there's Mackey's 19.2, the parlour of the iconic Mackey's of Scotland. It's on hand with a stretch encounter of all the flavours under the ice cream rainbow. Or should I say sun? My go-to order is, get a pen and paper ready please, one scoop buttery jam, one scoop birthday cake on a waffle with a huge chocolate drizzling straight from the chocolate tap. Many a time I've wanted to stick my head underneath that tap, Vicar and Dibley style, you know the scene I'm talking about, TV gold. Oh, also on top, you need white chocolate shavings too. If you like your wafer cone spiralling high to the sky, ice cream from Barra Berries is calling you. Here the ice cream is infused with its own strawberries, raspberries and blackberries grown just footsteps away from its farm shop, which is also booming with plenty of local supplies too. And finally, gelato from Forest Farm is right at the top of my freezer. Literally, I've got a tub of salted caramel gelato waiting to be hoovered up after I finish recording this. Forest Farm uses organic milk from its herd of cows to create all sorts of flavours to treat yourself with. When I last made a visit, I had the blackcurrant crumble gelato, which used, you guessed it, blackcurrants grown on site. 
and it was to quote Bruce Almighty, B E A beautiful. So with all the food highlights out of the way and one too many voices and interludes, I don't know what the hell I'm doing in this intro, let's go on to this week's podcast. Hi Roslyn. Hi Colin, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, just, just a little bit bored of lockdown now, but it's it's all good. Another day in lockdown. Another day <laughs> Groundhog lockdown. day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. Well, thank you for joining me today. As you know, I love writing about food and I couldn't think of anyone better to have on with me than a fellow food writer. Uh, so you write for the Scotsman Food and Drink and so you know your, your stuff about food. You've got a massive back catalogue of places that you've been to eat at, obviously before lockdown, and places you've stayed. So I thought it would be a great time to get you on and talk about food writing and talk about recommendations for the future. So I imagine the past year has been full of food developments. Is that safe to say you've been pretty busy over the past year, pretty much? Uh, yeah, I mean, like you, obviously, like everybody else, we've been I've been working from home, um, and it's a funny one because obviously things have been shut down and then they've opened back up and shut down again, but there's still been that steady level of busyness because people have had to adapt to the situation. So, you know, businesses have changed their focus or, you know, as you know, done delivery or cook at home kits. And there's always been something to talk about. It's just felt a little bit different. It's not this constant cycle of news or new launches or not necessarily new products. It's just the focus has slightly shifted, but the the busyness has sort of remained, which has been good in a way because Mm -hmm. it's been... I would I wouldn't have wanted to not have had anything to do because I'm on a week off just now and it is pretty boring. <laughs> I can imagine. Oh, just so everyone listening knows, Rosalind's got a very nice uh, background set up in her flat. It looks very organised, and I can only assume that's probably been maintained over this week of your holiday. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a little bit um not it does not really reflective of my whole flat right now because I'm looking at my dining room table opposite me and it is full of stuff, uh, and, I have, <laughs> and I've moved quite a lot of bottles of the drink out of the way. But yeah, it's, it's this is quite a nice backdrop. But Rosen's got some uh, daffodils, very spring. Are they real? They look real. Yeah, they're real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they look real good, <laughs> and they tie in very nicely with a very nice mustard lamp and um kind of geometric lampshade I, I really like this I might steal it I might steal it from my flat actually <laughs> well it came all the way from Dubai it managed to survive being in a Jeez. suitcase so I moved it home when I came back from Dubai and it's it's a wow. little bit uh, part of it's a little bit broken but you can't see that's fine it's reflective <laughs> of a, <laughs> it's reflective of a um really expensive Colin Sun wallpaper so it wasn't expensive but I bought it because uh... it looks like a nice wallpaper which I can send you the link to please do <laughs> please do I know I find like I think everyone throughout lockdowns realize that what they don't like about where they live so they've been kind of trying all these restorations and things so that's definitely something I want to add to my flat 100% you, you're obviously based in Glasgow just now but you touched on that you moved back from Dubai so that takes me nicely on to my first question about how you got into food drinks I know Dubai was one of the places you lived when you were um, in your writing career yeah, so it's a bit random because I've obviously just mentioned a wallpaper, which people might be like, okay. Um, I actually st- <laughs> I started off um, working in interiors magazines uh, when I graduated, which feels like a million years ago now. Um, but I was lucky enough to get a job in a magazine uh, when I graduated, which was 2008, right before the financial crash. Um, but because I got into that from the start, I'd all, I always... I've maintained writing as a career um 
so then after that I got another job in Glasgow and again in magazines went down to London after that for the years um still working in interiors magazines but with a little bit of styling on the side so I you know I, I would be helping out some shoots that involved food I did a Tesco magazine at one point um interior shooting there was a home economist there and I just thought that was absolutely fascinating what she what she was having to do to these meals to make it look amazing was quite minging actually yeah. <laughs> um and then, yeah, I got an opportunity to go and edit a magazine in Dubai um, about seven years ago now. Um, so I did that. that. That, again, was it was interiors, but a bit more lifestyle as well. So I put it through a redesign with an art director and um, we incorporated sort of restaurant interiors as well as like food reviews. And because it's such a small city, there wasn't as big an interiors market as there is in the UK yeah. so we kind of had to adapt it to sort of fit more of a lifestyle brief um, and I did that for three and a half years and then I wanted to come home because I'd been away for about I, I count London has been away which some people wouldn't but <laughs> <laughs> right, um, very different yeah um, and so I wanted to come back my sister had a baby and I just thought it'd be nice to come back to Glasgow so luckily I was very lucky because I know how competitive is I got a job with the Scotsman six-month contract to just be a web um a web content creator it was called but I hadn't really done a lot of web stuff I'd always been in print so I thought this is a good opportunity to kind of um <clears throat> get into that and um the I got hired alongside a guy who was very newsy in politics so I was balancing him out by doing lifestyle stuff and within my first two weeks, I got introduced to Sean Murphy, who used to edit the Food and Drink site. And he was extremely happy to meet me because he'd been doing it on his own for quite a considerable amount of time. Um, and now he's left. I am very aware of what that feels like because <laughs> I'm now in his position. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that just kind of happens through different jobs, meeting different people. Um, just kind of going for different opportunities that came up. Um, and the food, and, the food and drink side was just because of my lifestyle background. Um, I came back from Dubai, so obviously I hadn't been in Scotland for two and a half years, but it, so it's been great. It's, it's been great to see how the food and drink scene in Scotland has evolved since since I left even um, seven years at the time I started my job to what it is now. So I've really en I've enjoyed it so much, not more, but just I've, I've felt more immersed in it than I think maybe mm -hmm. I would if I hadn't not lived if I'd been in Scotland the whole time and sort of seen it happening in real time. a bit time. removed from it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think that's like a great thing with the Scottish food industry. It is constantly evolving. And it seems like recently, probably in the past like three years, it's really boomed. Like it just seems like something's happened and people have just realised, right, we've got like a great thing to shout about. Let's just keep on coming up with ideas and being creative and collaborating and let's keep the food industry going, which I think is really good because we've got such amazing food products here as well and you just reminded me of a story when um you were saying when you were working with the food stylist and they were doing all these weird tricks and stuff I remember um on a press trip I organized there was a food blogger who was there and they took food photography pictures and um obviously and one of their things to they didn't do it when we were there but they were telling me about it. one of their things to make their food look like it's steaming was to get a tam inside of a tampon and put boiling hot water over it and then stuff it in the food and then that would steam up <laughs> so that was in, I was like 
well that's a bit buzzy minging but I hope you eat the food after <laughs> yeah 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 I mean yeah we've got I'm random ne- tricks yeah I would never have thought of that but that does kind of make sense if you really need and how want you, that like... how do you discover that <laughs> like, oh, how do you realize how do you know this is a tampon <laughs> that does the trick for you that's what I find bizarre would you say the kind of the writing industry is it quite turbulent like you mentioned that like you started on a six-month contract at the Scotsman um is it a lot like that like is it a lot of short-term contracts that you don't know how long you're going to be at a certain place before you move on to your next or because obviously digital's coming in kind of print there's always the headlines about print being not dead but people don't read news physical newspapers anymore what's your take on that um yeah I think I mean my experience with the spot the Scotsman in particular has been quite turbulent it took me about two and a bit years to get a permanent staff contract so yeah it took me about two years so I was on the six-month contract then I got a year's maternity cover which happened right off the back of the end of the six months um and then I, I they went into administration the company went into administration uh, Johnson Press so I was freelance I was doing news shifts I think so long as you're willing to be quite flexible and learn on the job you can you can can continue to work and, and freelance does seem quite daunting yeah. but I was freelance in London and it is it's horrible to start off with because you, you're so used to having a job and a salary and you know a specific way of working but you can build it up quite quickly you just have to sort of be willing to be flexible and say yes to quite a lot of things so when I was freelance for the Scotsman I did a lot of news shifts which I would never have normally done um but it was fine and you know you learn a lot doing that as well and it just you get the work because you're willing to kind of be flexible and that is actually you know I've seen people come in for work experience um, and they've ended up getting a job because new shifts have come up so shifts will be available for freelancers but yeah I would say it's still turbulent and mm-hmm. actual staff jobs are quite few and far between um, you know they do they do I'm just trying to think they did hire recently they were hiring like live reporters and stuff which is news news desk shifts but you kind of have to get in there even if you don't really want to do that it's good to get in there doing something and then kind of try and move around because although I was hired for my lifestyle background I I feel like that's quite can be quite rare which is why I know I was really lucky to get the job um so yeah I mean I mean hopefully uh, you know things as digital you know starts to hopefully make them more money they can invest more in staff and yeah open it up more but it's always been it's always felt like everything's been done quite not really on a budget but just with you know they're used you know newsroom it's always the bottom line yeah yeah exactly speaking of kind of newsrooms and headlines I remember uh, one headline that always sticks out for me that I read once was and I love a headline that I don't know if they meant it to to come out the way it does but I I think they do because then people read it but it was hungry Swedes queue for Obama's sausage (laughs) <laughs> was like I think one of the best food headlines I've read but I was wondering if there's ever been a funny or the best food line you've ever read that you wish you came up with first yeah I was thinking about this and I don't um I c- nothing nothing I've got a terrible memory nothing really <laughs> sti- <laughs> nothing really sticks out in my mind but um my colleague Kat Thompson who writes uh, the Scotland's larger features that go into print quite often the way that her features are, are set out and the headlines for them are really good and that's the subs at my work I'm not yeah. saying that just to, to button them up but that <laughs> <laughs> that is that they they have uh, they have really they've got a really good way of turn a phrase obviously because that's what they do but I, I can't remember any particular headline I mean there's there's been 
stories that I wish oh I'd got there first but um, yeah I can't that's that's a good one though that you remember I can yeah I know it always just sticks in my head and I don't know if it's from whenever I'm writing like a a headline or a, a, a title of a blog I'm always like right how can I grab attention <laughs> like that <laughs> like those hungry Swedes but um what would what would in well to flip that question what would what was a story that someone covered that you wish you got to first well I, Sorry, I knew... to, to, to test your memory <laughs> test your memory again <laughs> well these these ones have stuck with me uh, I knew that the, the ivy was coming to Glasgow before it got um, it got it, and you the guy who was running the manager of the Enron told me like weeks before and I was trying to get it I was trying to find the location yeah and it was Glasgow Live that that broke it and that <sighs> was quite devastating for me because I knew uh, so no, I you're so close you're so close y- to it yeah and I probably should have just put something out there and then kind of you know followed it up after because he'd confirmed it but yeah that was really annoying um but I mean good on them they've got good contacts within the planning department at the council um and uh, I always have a lot of time for uh Julia Bryce at uh, DC Thompson her, her oh yeah yeah Julia uh, she's yeah she's good she's really quick and she's um I hope she listens um, but she's uh, she's really witty as well so she's always, she's always quite quick to get in netlines and she's always the first to know things as well which is always good for me because it yeah. <laughs> keeps my food list just growing most times. Especially with uh, where, where you're neck of the woods the northeast is not I mean we're terrible at kind of covering it extensively so she's that's she's really good at that obviously because that's her job but yeah I would look there to be like what's happening because yeah. we really should get something something going it's a good place to start good plug for society you've obviously covered a lot of stories um in your time but uh, focus on your kind of your time at Scotsman food and drink what's been the most inspirational brand story that you've covered so I was again I'm, I can <laughs> I'm only thinking back probably in the last year because I say my memory's terrible and I'm sorry if if anybody's <laughs> massively offended by this <laughs> um but the uh, I spoke to um this is terrible because I'm not even going to remember his name it was a, a, a guy who was rowing with a team across through the northwest passage from uh, to sort of show how the ice caps have com- like completely melting like a, a, an area of a body of water that you never used to be able to get through all year round him and a team are rowing um, to raise money to sort of um, to help environmental causes and he was going there to take samples of things as well for like scientific things and the Orkney distillery made a gin to sort of help him raise money for that and I thought that's a really good in a time of like Covid and lockdowns and businesses you know I thought that's that was a recent one yeah so that was oh ace uh, yeah I'm not going to know the like last year (laughs) (laughs) it was last year um but I just thought that's big picture like I, th- I feel like we're all in this situation because we're you know the planet is not in a good place no. and the pandemic I think will we'll be able to chase it back to like the lack of you know um you know cutting down environments and just spreading everywhere and I think there's a lot you know we need to do something about it and I thought him doing that is amazing and it seems impossible yeah. and I thought that was quite inspiring Oh, great. That sounds like a great story. I'm going to be digging out that link. I'm not giving you a lot of information because I can't remember anyone's name. But, but is, this, is, this, is this a tactic to make us all read it? Yeah, <laughs> yes. If, it. You go, if you go on the Scottish <laughs> Drink website and search Orkney, you'll find it. There we go. I love it. Okay, so you don't have to name any names, uh, but maybe you do because it'll make this podcast really juicy. But what's the hardest review you've ever had to write? Um yeah that again was really re- <laughs> that was really recent because I've um 
I've only kind of recently officially done started doing uh, reviews. There was always a sort of like Gabby Suter has been doing them for 15 years for the paper and she's brilliant, but she's not been able to travel about, obviously. So they kind of officially roped me in um, probably about six months ago. And yeah, there was one recently whereby I had to say to the editor of the paper, it's not great. Like I can, I'm, I'm being very diplomatic, but if you don't want me to do this because you don't obviously want to be really negative, um, and he he was fine. He was like, no, just, you know, the whole point in our review is that you're honest. So I, I was honest, but I was very diplomatic, but it was a particular place and it, I just wasn't quite sure where they're trying to place themselves. So that yeah. was hard. I, that's, I think that's like the, the thing I find difficult with food writing is I like to keep it positive. I don't like to, like, it, it makes my like skin crawl when like I see, like, you know, like people who just like cut in to people like, they go on Instagram and they're like, oh, I went here, it was, the food was cold, blah, blah, blah. And they just like, you're like, there's like, there's no need. You don't have mm-hmm. to put that out there. Just don't, like I choose if I have a negative experience somewhere, I just don't post about it um, or I don't write about it. But it, there's, I've been a few times I've been, um, been to places and I've like had in my head, oh, I'm going to do a review. And then I, I still want to do the review because I want to help. But then writing it, I'm like, uh, like how can I still be authentic, but not lie? Yeah. But yeah, it's that thing. It's like, who are we to say we're not restaurateurs <laughs> or whatever? People know what they're doing. But yeah, I, th- I think that is a challenge a lot of the times. And especially if like you're tied to it as well, that makes it even worse because you just feel like you're kind of just putting words in just to just to put them in. Yeah, yeah. There was no getting out of that one at all. So um, it was all right. And in the end, I actually felt like I was quite proud of how diplomatic I was because mm-hmm. I'm the same as you. I didn't want to be like, and I didn't need to be, oh, this is terrible because it wasn't terrible. It just, it was just a bit weird. And yeah. it's, that's even harder to say, I think, sometimes. Yeah, it, yeah, I totally agree. Back on to the positives, let's go there. So what's been um, a highlight theme from the food industry over the pandemic? Has there been anything that's kind of been the headline as such? Um, yeah, I've enjoyed how much people seem to be wanting to and shopping locally. Um, so, you know, we couldn't go to our supermarket. So people were going to like their local convenience stores or buying like local veg boxes. And um, yeah, I think the number of UK veg boxes double you know went up more than 100 percent yeah people were just signing up to like local produce like the farmers market in Glasgow still going um every couple of weeks and it's completely heaving with people and I just think it's good to support your local businesses but also you're then eating more seasonally so it's also good for like the environment and things so yeah I was quite I was quite pleased to see that and I kind of hope that um that continues because I know myself like I was getting food delivery from place in Edinburgh uh, and once like lockdown kind of eased in the summer I kind of went back a little bit to Tesco and then I've since been shopping a bit more in Glasgow not the same as like I wasn't I'm not shopping the way I was in terms of going to the supermarket but yeah I hope everybody kind of continues because it's the you know it's the I think within the pandemic and lockdown it's like the good food that you can have at home that's really kept personally kept me going like getting a takeaway the weekend is like the highlight of the week yeah there's literally nothing <laughs> yeah. else so it's a, it's a new summer holiday yeah <laughs> that's I but I think that, that's so true actually the shop local tag has definitely been a highlight for me as well and seeing all I think people like converting to try new things and try new places and 
yes, sometimes the farm shops are a bit more expensive than if you go to Aldi or whatever, but the actual quality of the stuff you're getting is so much better and you're helping local farmers. And as you say, I never actually thought about the seasonal aspect of it, keeping, and it's good for the environment, keeping it all and stuff that we always have. So, and it's really made me want to start an allotment as well, but I'd rather just let the farming community do that for me (laughs) because I, I would struggle, I think. Yeah, well, I've got my name down in for an allotment in Glasgow. Oh, it's, a, it's a ten-year waiting list, though. Oh, <laughs> so I don't think um, I don't think I'll ever get one. Yeah, you might wait quite a while. <laughs> Probably moved. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Oh God. Well, let us know whenever you do get your allotment. <laughs> so I'm interested to know. Has there been a um, a business that has been born out of lockdown that has been a really great story that you've heard of? Um, yeah, pro- so probably, uh, so I mentioned I was getting food from a place in Edinburgh. I've seen quite a few like independent supermarkets popping up in Edinburgh. They're online. They've, they've created really brilliant websites quite quickly. They're stocking things that you wouldn't normally get in the supermarket, so like local produce. So one thing I became obsessed with from this one particular place was um, that groats, uh, oats, muesli. So it's like a kind of chocolatey oh, yeah. one. Uh-huh. Um, and so yeah things like that that you wouldn't normally get unless you were living in Edinburgh and went to the shop um so there's that they were called Remain Cam they're still going but I don't think they're delivering to Glasgow anymore and there's um Edinburgh food delivery so they they were uh I wrote about them a few weeks ago um two brothers who wanted to work together one of them was running a wedding catering company another was running a fitness website and the weddings obviously completely dropped off the scale and they came together to, with one of their tech abilities and other uh, food contact to create this Edinburgh um, food delivery website. And they've, they've, ex- they've, I think they've moved premises twice now and they're oh now making, yeah, they've got in a development chef, they're making stuff, they're supplying just like, you know, your store covered basics, but also fresh produce, they're making beef wellingtons, they're getting in like gins oh, and geez. yeah, I think they're going to become like, you can go I think you will be able to go and like do a shop there Um, yeah so I think that is that is great and I kind of wish someday if I mean there might be people doing it in Glasgow but if they are get in touch because I would love that to be happening in Glasgow yeah I know I don't think we've really got anywhere like that in Aberdeen now I think I think we've got a few like eco shops and things and a few of like uh, kind of local bakers and that are stocking other products as well that you can buy but yeah, no, that sounds absolutely amazing and mm-hmm. great to see that they've grown so quickly as well, yeah. which yeah. shows that there's appetite for it. So I think like there's always like, I think people always say with stuff like this, there's always a worry that like, when's a balloon going to pop? Like when's it's all like once the lockdown finishes, like will it just go back to normal? But I think with stuff like that, people, especially with food, people get behind a brand and they kind of mm-hmm. stick with it. And I think stuff like that's just going to go strength to strength. And people are shifting more to that kind of uh, conscious shopping, aren't they as well? yeah I think so I mean yeah in Glasgow we're the same we've got like lockerboard and um sort of veg shops that do a little bit extra but yeah it, that the the whole the coming together of different local brands like that I thought was really good and yeah I think once you've tried something that you know is local that you're supporting a local business and is really good I think you're more likely to can continue yeah. on with that hopefully definitely long may it continue 100 percent in addition to your day job, you're also host of the Scotsman podcast, Scran, uh, which is doing really well. And you're also the resident drinks expert on series one of the great food guys. Mm-hmm, yep. So I, I, you're like, yeah, done it. <laughs> <laughs> done it. <laughs> 
I know I've had my moments of worry thinking about kind of stepping away from the words and kind of coming on the other side of it and doing a podcast or putting my face on camera and all that sort of stuff. Did you ever have any reservations when you kind of came to that stage in your career of kind of doing podcasting and presenting? Not massively, purely no. because, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not a massively overly confident person and I'd, I've never... Uh, I've never done broadcast. My sister's on the telly and has been for years. So she's. How is she? What does she do? So she was a reporter. Well, she worked for the Press Association, then she worked for Sky, and she now worked for STV and she's now with the BBC. So she's a, like a oh, news. Cool. I say like she's the proper journalist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's like. <laughs> She's like news, so she, but you can tell that she's properly like voice trained and she knows how to write a script and you know that's what she's done forever. Um, so Does she I, enunciate every word like y- this. A little bit, yeah. She's yeah. so hard. <laughs> her and I sounds like exactly the same, but it's it's a bit more like this. Yeah, it's it's very professional. Um, with the podcast, it was um we got asked to put forward ideas and I because I was doing the food and drink writing anyway I thought we could do a food and drink podcast and then we got some external training and the woman who did the training was brilliant she was like blown away because the two video guys who I was working with um as well as the producer sort of looked into it and they were like there's not there's not really a great deal out there focusing on Scotland mm-hmm. there isn't so, there really there still isn't it's yeah crazy. and this was over a year ago and, and so this woman just absolutely could not believe this and was she's Australian she was like you have to do this it's going to be amazing like you don't really have to have a focus you can do anything if, mm-hmm. if nothing is really being done so I think because she was so keen my boss was then very keen and it was the first one we launched and I just went like with a lot of things in life and my career I've kind of just gone with it which sounds with it yeah it sounds terrible and people listening were probably like for god's sake but (laughs) it just it just kind of happened and it was I was really nervous in the first you know I if you listen to my friends have listened to them and they've said you do sound really nervous to start off with because the first one was at the Edinburgh um, Christmas market going around like talking about things talking to stallholders talking to people like box popping people but in a way that you know I'm not particularly used to um but yeah no that's that has been great and it's it's helped me sort of develop that little bit extra confidence because the tv thing as well that happened really randomly the the producer actually the editor got in touch with me via Sean who I was working with at the time so she contacted like the generic food drink um email and wanted to speak to me and and I thought she just wanted help to research it so I met up with her and was talking away to her and thinking oh this is fine like I can definitely help with this and then she said oh well you know do you want to be on it as the drinks expert and I was like you can't really say no like you may as well no. just go for it yeah. and see what happens see like, if you like it yeah yeah like what's the worst that can happen it was it was very nerve-wracking and yeah. I was loved to have kept doing it they changed the format so now the, the the drink comes so they have quite famous guests now and the drink comes from the guests like what do you like drinking this and ah okay it does make like I spoke I ended up speaking to Nick Nairn about it when um he opened his latest restaurant just before lockdown so it was last February and I just kind of said to him like oh you know if ever you need a drinks expert again and he was like you know we they sort of struggled with the format like what is it is it a chat show is it a food, is it, you know a food and drink show you know it's a chat show 
I mean, I would say it could be both because that's what kind of Saturday Kitchen is. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, I did the first series and it was, it was good. Again, it was a learning experience. It was really nerve wracking because there is a big difference. Like this is fine, but we see when a camera's right in front of you and, you, yeah, and there's totally three, yeah, there's three yeah. of them. Um, and you, it was very sort of ad hoc. So there was like a rough script, but it was, you know, like you oh know god that's I, that is like danger for me god knows what i would bloody say <laughs> well I'd, I'd sort of free so i knew what the dishes were going to be so i'd kind of the whole thing about it was it wasn't like pairing a drink it was you know the, the drink had to fit in with the theme of the episode so you mm-hmm. know i can't remember there was the harris gin was one of them that went with scallops from guy grieve because it was all to do with you know like seafood and oh, um yeah so I, I knew what i was presenting because i'd you know, come up with it, but it was very much a okay. We're filming. We're coming to you. Make some small talk. Then, yeah. yeah. Oh God, small talk. Yeah. Small talk. Yeah. Oh God. I mean, I never thought I was good at small talk, but uh, my girlfriend was like, "You're really good at small talk," and I was like, "Am yeah. I?" <laughs> I just. I think, yeah, you'd be I good. I just, I just fumble. I'm just like. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, you'd be good. It, yeah, it was. Um, it was. Yeah, it was just one. Those two things were just one of those things that kind of happened, and they did happen off the back of the food and drink writing. So I think there is, there is scope to do other things within this sort mm-hmm. of whole uh, industry, which is good. Just shows you, like, you, your path is never, never on one thing. It always goes to different things. You just can't really control what it does. Yeah, That's and you good. never know what's going to happen, which is quite a good thing to remember in life. Exactly. Very, very important thing to remember. Taking it back onto food writing, I know with me, I have to be in the right headspace to write. Like in the job I'm in, it's busy, but I find time to write, which is great. But I know with my uh, blogging stuff on the site, if I've had like a manic day at work, like the last thing I want to do is write. And I feel like like, you need to be in a creative zone and whatever. Obviously, your line of work is a bit different because you've got deadlines and you've got to write all the time. How do you get over writer's block? What's your tricks to get in over that hump? Or uh, please don't say, please don't say you don't get writer's block. I'll no, be so jealous no, of you. No, <laughs> no I, I do. Um, it's so there's different types of stories. So the news stories, obviously, you know, from your previous job, things will come into you and you don't really have to think a lot about that because it's you know obviously you need to check certain things out but that's that's constant and pretty fast pace so you've got to be pretty on it although obviously you can be selective about what things you are going to cover and not depending on your audience but when it comes to like long form pieces or like big interviews um or even just like little things I've had an idea about something I want to do it's maybe like more of a list type thing yeah there, there is a certain element of having to like psych yourself up to switch everything off so switch off emails mm-hmm. go into a word document you know obviously you know yourself you need to come up with like a good opening kind of line but yeah. with with web you're also trying to come up with something that's kind of seo friendly uh, yeah oh i know <laughs> that's like a whole other ball game but um no i just just try and focus and switch everything off and and in my head i, I have you know, if I've got, no, I've got to do something, we'll say after lunch, like switch everything off and you're, for the rest of the day, you're not speaking to anyone, you're not doing anything else, you have to do this because like, it has to be done. Yeah. So yeah, I do have it, but there's not, there's not an option to continue on with it. Like you just have to do something, uh, get something down and it's, you know, it might not be the best thing in the world, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, hopefully I it is. But you know, if you keep thinking, oh, it's got to be amazing, 
yeah. you'll never get anything done. I remember that was a thing in a previous uh, job. I learned like quite quickly that I had to write the intro last because I would spend so much time trying to write like a really killer intro to hook people in. Because I remember always being taught like, what's your hook? Like your hook is what's going to keep people in. And then I remember I would like rack my brains forever trying to think of this bloody intro. And then the rest of the post I knew what I was doing, but I would be like, the intro needs to happen. But like, there were so many things like we'd come in on the day and then it would get bumped to the bottom of the list. And then I would like hand it in and I'd be like sheepish, be like, this is so bad, but it's okay. You'll still, you'll still put it online, but I think it's absolutely awful. Yeah, I think that is a thing. You just kind of just go with it, do you? You just got to turn off and get psyched up. That's probably a really good bit of advice, actually, for me to still follow. <laughs> just pretend you've got a, a deadline. So for your blog, yeah. if you know you've got something the next day, just just you have to do it because somebody maybe will that's shout what at you. I should do. I'm I'm very good at miss like not I don't want to say missing a deadline. I'm very good at like extending a deadline. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, like mm, it could it could shift to the next day. So yeah, actually, I need to get better at that. Before we move on to food, this is my final food writing question, which you'll be happy to hear. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about banned words. I've got many banned words. I absolutely hate the word tasty. It makes my toes curl. I don't know why it just does. And the word yum makes me want to be sick. Yum or the yum mm. family. Yummy. Yeah, Scrumed yummy. Yeah. Scrummy. Oh, nom, nom, nom. Yeah, <laughs> nom, nom, nom's nom. bad. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, a, I think what it is, it's people's faces when they say nom. Like, it's not a night, it's like, nom nom like it's awful um so like I but then it annoys me because sometimes the word tasty does fit but because I've made such a song and dance about hating the word I just can't bring myself to type it do you have any banned words they don't have to be food related but any banned words that you absolutely hate um so now you've said that I realize I hate nom yeah um. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> Um, I d- generally tend to really hate uh, Americanizations of things, which comes okay. from my that comes from my time in Dubai. Because the way the school systems out there, it's like a mix of American and sort of UK schooling, and they yeah, kind of, of course. pick and choose what their spelling is, and it's very. I can't. I was quite a when I was editing that magazine. I was very, very like, no, we're going with the UK spelling of everything yeah. and terms for everything. I don't like the phrase reach out. I feel like that's again quite an Americanization thing. <laughs> that's what I think of when it's actually a funny yeah. thing. Me and my a colleague uh, from my last job, like if I was ever like, oh, I'm going to, like, for example, oh, I'm going to reach out to Rosalind at Scotsman Food and Drink. And then we'd look at each other and go, reach out and touch me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I actually get that. That's another one I'd add into my list, actually, reach out. It sounds very dramatic. Like, reach out. Ah, oh, like something's wrong. Like, yeah, you know, reach out. Just want to reach out, and it yeah. sounds American as well. It's very American. One of the things I find with, um, whenever I'm writing stuff, and I don't know if this is actually, I've not asked my girlfriend's from Glasgow, and I don't actually think I've ever asked her this, but like up here, like fine, is like really good. Like fine would be my version of tasty. Like I would be like, oh, it's just so fine. And that means really good. But in Glasgow, would that like would you translate that as oh god, it must have not been great? Yeah, I would. I just yeah, I wouldn't think you were overly bothered by it. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Like it was okay. Yeah. I wouldn't think oh. fine as in like wow. Well, rule of thumb for if you're speaking to anyone from the northeast, it's oh right, blimey, they like it. <laughs> Something's fine. Like oh, it was fine. <laughs> it's so annoying because when you write it down, like if I do it in Instagram post, I'm like, 
that doesn't say anything like that just if someone's really like, gonna be like oh well he didn't like it I'm like oh I loved it I loved it <laughs> this is why a podcast is good because you get tone yeah yeah you get tone it's great right okay let's finally talk about the good thing let's talk about food we've got a lengthy catalogue of places that you've ate at and reviewed in the past and obviously a lot of brands get in touch with you to kind of um, invite you to events and things if you were to create your dream dinner blended off anywhere around Scotland what would be on the menu for your starter your main your dessert and your after dinner tipple okay so this loaded quite, question I know yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's quite exciting because it's like the thought of going out for a meal again um oh I know but, <laughs> but I feel like because it's been so long my answers are very much off the cuff so don't um, say McDonald's no <laughs> Do not no say McDonald's <laughs> no <laughs> Big um, Mac. <laughs> I've not actually had a McDonald's in ages. Uh, so I think for a starter, um, I would like, and I'm, I, I'm assuming somewhere like the Gannet, I say assuming, I know the Gannet do this, but they're available at other places when they reopen. You know, uh, Guy Grieve does, he gets these hand-dived Isle of Mouse scallops. Um, yes. he, like, they're brilliant, they're amazing. And he's he's hilarious. And he's another one who's like pivoted his business to doing home delivery. Uh, and I got one of the first home deliveries from them and the scallops were still in their shell and obviously still alive. And that was a complete, complete learning curve as to how you deal with that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, they're really good. But uh, yeah, definitely go to a restaurant. I mean, they now do them shucked for you, which is good. But yeah, I would have that in some shape or form. I would have them for my starter. Um, and then I was thinking... I was actually going to give you another answer from uh, Glasgow, but I need to widen my thoughts. Um, stay, stay to Glasgow. St- if, it, if it's coming from Glasgow, stay from Glasgow. Well, I was going to say steak from Porter and Wright, but actually one of the things I've been missing because I'm from Fife, so I'm from like a seaside town and I really miss a good chippy. Uh, <laughs> so probably the one from Anstruther, you know, the, the really famous one that's really good fish and chips from, I mean... Um, nice. what would you get um, what would be your main probably just fish and chips yeah fish, fish and chips? chips yeah really nice. good fish and chips loads of vinegar and salt <laughs> oh <laughs> yes so like yeah I'm the same like lots of vinegar like that you get vinegar sweats yeah that is that's when you know you've done a good job with your uh, salt and vinegar um and dessert probably Bal and Tiger up in Berkshire have uh they've got a cook school um, and they do amazing brownies so if you go up there you, you can go up there for a class or you can go and stay they've got a couple of rooms and uh, for Mother's Day a few years ago my mum and I did a bread class up there and we had like coffee and brownies when I think when we started or like halfway through and yeah they're good brownies. Ace. We probably was should it, have was said. It, was it just plain plain brownies or was it like a combination of different flavors or was it literally just a standard dark chocolate brownie i think they were just dark chocolate they had like chocolate dark chocolate chips through them and were like really gooey and like really thick cut oh they were just really good as I you feel... can tell my ears have pricked up at dessert. <laughs> <laughs> and well you can um there's i think they've got like a pop-up shop somewhere in aberfeldy which again i can't go to oh i love aberfeldy but yeah great they're, place they're, they're really good i feel like i definitely should have said some like fine patisserie there but i, I can't remember the last time I went out for like a proper yeah proper meal like that. So that's I know. It's, let's not think about it. No, it's too depressing. And what would be your what would be your after drink tipple? 
Well, I've actually just come from a Glenfiddich whiskey tasting. Um, oh, amazing. Yeah, and their grand series, I'm probably saying it wrong, probably should be Grand. Their Grand Cru, which is a 23-year-old um, finished in cuvee wine casks, is very nice. They've got a new one coming out, which we could we can talk about because this will be out after tomorrow, um, which has been finished in... Exclusive! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very here. excited. Yes, that's the country. Um, they've got a new one, which is a so they've got a 20, 21 year old, which is really good, which is finished in Caribbean rum. But the new one is twenty six year old, and it's finished in rare French cognac casks, and it is Grand Couron, which I'm probably saying wrong because I didn't Ooh. do French. So yeah, all of them are a lovely after dinner whiskies because they're really smooth. They're not too strong, and yeah they're they're just really nice if you don't think you like whiskey you're not going to get like that weird afterburn it just be yeah. like a nice meal. i think that's the thing with whiskey i think a lot of people just assume it with being really strong and really like right the back of your throat and like oh no it's like burns but i think like i've kind of recently over the past few years kind of gotten more involved with it. my brother-in-law is like really big on whiskey um and like there's so many you just need to find your flavor you need to find what one like i like a really peaty kind of smoky one um, but I went to the Glengarry Distillery and they do a, a really nice wine cask one and it was a really dark kind of ruby kind of taste to it. But yeah, I think people need to give whiskey, whiskey a go, definitely. But so the, the Glenfiddich tasting, I take it that it was all, they sent you all the bottles and you did it all virtually. Yeah, they just like these these wee wee ones, which oh, is fine. Cool. It's like a good couple of jams and they paired them with the uh, macarons that were made by the pastry chef at the um Hotel Cafe Royal in London and they were amazing. Oh, yes. Yeah, have you been really to Glenfiddich Distillery? Have you been to it in person yet? Uh, I have, yeah. Um, I've been to, the for the last couple of years, not last year, obviously, I went to their festival. So they have like a really small music festival in September. Um, and as part of that, I think the first time I went, we did like a distillery tour, and which was fun because everyone was absolutely hungover. And, <laughs> and going into a heated a heated oh, distillery would have been a like, joy <laughs> yeah um I don't mean my friend were that bad but yeah it was it was no it's really good I really like it and the, the malt barn where you can have lunch was quite nice and it's nice it's a nice kind of setup I think it's got a nice feel to it and um good location I love Speyside yeah it's so nice and it, it's a place I I think I didn't haven't I've never done a distillery tour but I've been in the bit for food like years ago um but I drive past it like quite regularly because my granny um she lives up in Tomatin up near Inverness so I drive up that when you drive past the still all the time and it just looks really nice and they've obviously redone it in the past few years but yeah I definitely need to go on a whiskey tour 100 percent yeah because you like Dean you had a thing with Dean's shortbread didn't you because it's near where you're from <laughs> is that right <laughs> I didn't even have to tell Rosalind to say this to me <laughs> I just remember Dean's, that was my last in memory of me this you? is an exclusive Dean's shortbread is the best shortbread you will ever eat. And I'm saying that. Walkers, I like you as well, but Dean's, you are better. It's buttery and... Did you ever try it? I can't remember. Yeah, I've had it before. It is yes. really nice. Yeah, so um, Dean's shortbread is a really good one. It's from um, my local town, Huntley. Old family recipe that's now into kind of like a global brand. They export all around the world. I've just realised I've not had Dean Shortbread in a very long time, Rosalind, so I need to get some. Get. So basically what I used to do when I was back home, I would go into the shop and they had like an off-cuts basket. So basically all the bits from the factory line that they can't put in the boxes would just go in these like bags and I would just buy heaps of them and just take them back. All the little penny, is it petty fours or 
you know, like oh, the little yeah, circle yeah. one, uh-huh. Petty Force? Give me them all. But that's good memory. I'm surprised you remembered that. <laughs> Weird things really stick with me. It's because um, <laughs> one of my flatmates in Dubai was Dean. And I always remember when I saw Dean Shortbed, I'd be like, oh, Dean. And then like, I remember Dean. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm glad that that's my association. <laughs> Dean Shortbed, Colin Fraser. Oh, yeah, that's him. Um, so, and obviously you've stayed in a lot of places. So if you could live in a hotel forever, what hotel would be the place you would stay in? It doesn't have to be Scotland. Um, but where would you stay forever? Well, I did wonder this. So I thought if it was Scotland, it would need to be Glen Eagles because I just think ah. it's such a good location. The food's amazing. It has such a nice feel about it. Like it feels quite yeah. homely, even though mm-hmm. it's massive and really luxurious, which my home is not. <laughs> um, and then, posh. Look at that yeah. lamp. <laughs> <laughs> it cost me like not a lot of money at all. So anywhere in the world, my previous job out in Dubai, I did get to travel quite a lot, which was amazing. And we, I got to go to a lot of really nice places because it was you know, quite a luxurious magazine I was writing for. Um, but I think probably, I was thinking about this, so there was a lot of nice places in Dubai, but Dubai is too hot. So I think probably Europe, and I'm going to not pronounce this right, so apologies to anyone who's Italian, but there's a place called Sugolagon, Italy. Um, I think it was in Tuscany. And it was, it's a really nice, quite rustic uh, looking hotel, but there's lots, they have like, it's kind of like little villas about the place. And then there's lots of different places you can go and sit and eat and drink. And there's like hammocks in the trees. And at one point they've got like a little bar that overlooks like this valley. And it just, it felt like you were staying in somebody's estate, but it was a hotel. Oh, nice. The food was amazing. The wine was amazing. It was like very relaxing. It was lovely. I'd like to go back there and love it. It sounds like one of those places, like a postcard. Yeah, it was brilliant. Oh, God, that's just made me want to go on a holiday even more. I know, me too. (laughs) Okay, so a question I've been asking a select few guests is labelled back from the Fed. Mm -hmm. So if you could bring back... Oh, that's actually a good headline, back from the Fed. Yeah. It's quite a good headline. Steal it. I'll let you steal it. (laughs) Um, If you could bring back any food brand, eatery or drink, it's no longer with us, what would you pick? Well, I'm going to give you two answers because one's a kind of of cheating answer. I think everybody wants original Iron Brew back. Um, Uh, That is so weird that you say that. I just put out a post this morning referencing Iron Brew. I never do that. That's so funny. I was um I put in about sorry, we'll get back to the question. I was putting out a picture about something and it basically said it tasted phenomenal, but I wrote it as phenomenal. Like the advert. Yeah. And uh, I went and watched the advert again and I was like, God, remember that advert? It was so good. Yeah, remember Iron Brew, it was it's uh <laughs> a simpler time. Yeah. But yeah, um I would actually agree with that. I would take back original Iron Brew. And then the thing that's not really answering the question is um there's a there was a speakeasy bar in Glasgow called Wheesht that shut down. Uh... <laughs> if there's any um, people who don't really get Scottish, uh, Wheesht is like a really Scottish word for quiet. But that's a great that's a great name for a speakeasy. Yeah, it was, and it was the two guys running it where their cocktails were brilliant, and they were like making a lot of their own syrups, and they were really so. They'd come over to your table oh, nice. um, and be like, right, so what? What kind? What's your base spirit? And they, so their menu just had like three things on it or four things on it that were like ingredients, and they talked to you about like what you normally like to drink. Do you want it like sweet, sour, short drink, long drink, whatever? And they would just create you a cocktail, um, and it was amazing. And it was in a basement um, underneath a restaurant in Finiston. 
and it was brilliant and they shut down um they were supposed to close in april last year but obviously they shut early and that was them i wish they would come back because it was i feel like it didn't quite it was just getting into its stride and then it, it yeah. shut down what would be like your cocktail of choice if you were going somewhere kind of depends on what the, you're feeling well yeah and whether it's like before or after dinner i would probably usually go some gin base i really like a, mm-hmm. a dirty gin martini that's quite strong what's that um, what's in a dirty gin martini again I think it's just gin, vermouth and the brine of olives. So it's quite oh, dry, but strong. Um, <laughs> probably maybe something old school, like a Cosmo, like a really good Cosmo. But not with like sweet, you know, the really, not with the really sweet cranberry juice, like proper, yes. like quite, not dry, but not too sweet. It's not like overly sweet, but like, you, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, the, the state place in Edinburgh that's also in London, they do bottled cocktail delivery and they have a brown buttered old-fashioned which is oh, absolutely amazing what's it called sounds good uh, sounds what's dangerous it, what's it called that's going to bug me though what's the name of the state restaurant it is it's in the edinburgh grand hotel on the bottom floor it'll come back to me but yeah they do <laughs> they do really good cocktails for it at home i know you're a gin fan what is your um do you have a favorite gin just now or what is like your favorite scottish gin that you always go back to i really like harris gin which i think mm. is I think quite a lot of people. Isla Barra gin is really good. Yeah, if you like that kind of sort of coastal gin, Isla Barra one's really nice as well. And they're they've just announced they're going to be making whiskey, which is quite exciting oh, cool. for them. But yeah, I would always probably if I if I was out and I saw either those two, then yeah, I'd go for that. Nice. I've got um in a previous job when I left, I got a bottle of Harris gin, and then I got two Harris gin glasses as well. Yeah, they're nice. And they're such good glasses. And I've actually you can see it. Well, you won't be able to see it in the background, but that light is a. Harris gin bottle with oh, yeah. um, the light fitting top. So as you can see next to my dog, I don't know if you can see him. Oh no, but <laughs> Look, oh, can you see it? Can you make him out? He's looking at me very sadly. Oh, been really well behaved. My dog's had to be taken <laughs> into another room. Oh really? Well, Ramsey kind of sleeps a lot. Yeah, he's he he's he's got his moments when he. I, I thought like took him out for a walk, and I was like, right, like he'll be tired out now. But he, he touched wood, he's been hard, yeah, you're doing good. Yeah, just blinking away. <laughs> um, okay, so the final question of today is, um, I've, it's a tenuous link. I know you yourself will like a tenuous link, you kind of have to like a tenuous link when you do writing. But I remember reading ages ago that you're an experimental jam recipe maker. God. Um, <laughs> but if you were to make a jam blended with all your happy moments and everything what would be your recipe to go into that jar in other words what's your recipe to happiness oh god <laughs> um my girlfriend definitely... told me not to word it like that she was like that's so confusing <laughs> <laughs> and I, i'm like oh no it'll be fine that's not get what i mean <laughs> uh, okay, so basically yeah so what would i say makes me happy in life and yeah what, what's, what's got you through this year and what is like your things that you do to keep you happy what keeps you going well definitely family I think this year if no other time I mean I lived away for a while and it was you know fine and when lockdown hit it's like well I've lived I've lived away I've lived away from my family for year like years it'll, it'll be fine but there was you know you were not getting to see them and you know speaking to them it's, it's not the same and um, we're quite close so yeah definitely my family um my sister's got two boys and they're the oldest one's hilarious. Um, my and uncle, uh, they, their house has been like the centre of everything in our life, like our whole life, and they've just recently sold it. So that's been like absolutely devastating for most of us. Um, but we've been able to like keep in touch with 
what's going on with them and like my nephew's been hilarious and so you talk to them as a group and then he's there in the background being really funny so <laughs> definitely family um like I said earlier the the main highlight of being stuck in lockdown is takeaway so de- good food mm-hmm. good food cooked well from like a local restaurant or you know takeaway or whatever that's that's been like a highlight of lockdown you'll kill me if I don't say this but yeah Gordon my boyfriend who <laughs> I've been stuck in lockdown with in this flat and I'm not always here um yeah he's he sort of you'll probably know yourself it's yeah your relationship is tested massively when you're stuck together and I'm, I'm in a flat I think you're in a flat it's there's not an outside space it's a two, two bedrooms there's nowhere for anyone to go <laughs> yeah um, I think it's one of those things like me and my girlfriend actually got together through lockdown so we met uh-huh. on tinder like at the start of pretty much I think it was like April last year and then it's kind of like went on since then so now we live together um but yeah it is that thing I think like when you actually put things into perspective of like right we can't do anything can't go anywhere but we've kind of just got to spend time together and I think that makes it stronger because you're like well we're managing like nothing's happening we're managing to still have conversation yeah still talk <laughs> about, to each other like stuff so yeah I think it is um a good it, it's got it's good and it's bad but yeah um living together is one of those things that um you realize how like lucky you are just to be able to go out and do things and I suppose with us in Aberdeen um Aberdeen's got so many green spaces that you can we're pretty much touching the countryside so it's nice to get out and about but yeah we are very much looking forward to not doing the same old beach walk every day yeah that's that to me sounds amazing but I've basically just been walking around the west end of Glasgow even the dog is like no please can we go somewhere yeah we've done this walk um, but yeah, also the final thing I'd say is probably a good drink as well. So whether it's a good whiskey oh, or a good gin or a good whatever, a good rum, good sea shanty rum, add that Good sea shanty rum, <laughs> plug, plug, plug. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, I know, I think it, it's really hard to focus on the positive sometimes, but I think if you just have your your recipe to say, always go to to keep you happy. And I think, as I said, like with your family, it's, it's funny how you living in Dubai like that was one thing but it's it's I guess it's having that blocker being like god if I was in Dubai and I actually couldn't come home yeah that like it just makes it so much more intense doesn't it but no that's such a good remedy family takeaways and a good alcoholic drink yeah I like that oh and your partner and your partner as well oh yeah um, but I kind of yeah. have to say that he's, <laughs> but no obviously yeah he's a big part of it but yeah he's part yeah. of the family Oh, amazing. What a good place to finish on tonight. And I hope you've got a big glass of something waiting. Yeah, definitely. I'll finish these uh, Glenfiddich whiskies and yeah, I'll probably crack open a gin tomorrow. Oh, quite right. Well, it's been great to talk to you and thank you so much for joining me today, Rosalind. You too. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye. 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 Just when you thought I couldn't lower the tone, I speak about tampons on the podcast. Mum, you will not be impressed. Full of food recommendations there, and yet more words added to my banned word list. Nom. Thanks to Rosalind for sharing her favourite eats from Central Belt, and even shedding some light on some North East favourites of mine too. All great to hear, and the list is endless for me now. That takes us to the end of the penultimate episode of Ditching It, and for my final episode... Let's go bougie and call it the finale. I'm catching up with Lindsay from Smoke and Soul, Aberdeen's answer to wood-fired meats and smoky smoky goodness. We talk all things food, obviously, riding the pandemic wave, 
collaborations and new chapters as her and her partner Corey set sail with a new sparkly project for the business. You won't want to miss this one. So join me next week, promise I won't fall off the radar this time, for the last episode of the series and who knows, I might spill on whether there will be a series too. Right, I'm off to loot a shortbread factory and if I manage to avoid being thrown in the shortbread clink, what a joy that would be. I'll see you next week for more food chats. So until then, stay safe, eat well and speak soon.